0: It's the Bush administration versus the state of Texas at the Supreme Court tomorrow. Congressman Ted Poe joins us to talk about whether Texas should be permitted to execute a Mexican citizen that is a convicted murderer and rapist or bow to a U.N. court that says this violates a treaty. And we'll discuss the GOP presidential debate that just took place in Michigan. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev.
2: Tear down this wall. That's one
0: small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will
3: live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what
0: the meaning of the word is Yes. Yeah.
4: President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson.
2: Iran is a greater danger than Iraq. Iraq cannot be seen in a vacuum. And we have to be willing to use a military option to stop Iran from becoming nuclear. If we're willing to do it, we have a much better chance of having sanctions for it.
5: All right, that's New York Mayor, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He's running for President of the United States. That's hot off the presses from 3 to 5 today, Texas time, Central time. The Republican candidates for president were debating, hosted by MSNBC and Chris Matthews, CNBC, and also the Wall Street Journal. And Rudy Giuliani's saying there that Iran is more dangerous than Iraq and we have to consider the military option. Here is Giuliani the front runner on tax cuts.
2: Uh, I cut taxes 23 times when I was a uh, mayor of New York City. I believe in tax cuts. I believe in being a supply sider. I cut the income tax I think it was 24%. We got 42% more revenues.
5: Okay, so Rudy Giuliani saying I'm strong on Iran. And I'm strong on tax cuts. He's wanting to appeal to conservatives, to conservative Republicans. And he is still leading nationally in the polls, Pena. He is the front runner. But several questions today on this debate. You won't hear this anywhere else. Uh, This is not even going to be televised until 8 o'clock tonight. So some of our team watched this debate on the web. It was broadcast live on the web. We have some sound we're going to play later so you can preview tonight. But here are the big questions Fred Thompson coming in debates tonight. How did Fred Thompson do? And the big question, would you, as president, launch an attack on Iran or anybody else without the approval of Congress? A big question that was asked. And then a major question right at the end. If the Republicans nominate a candidate who's not pro-life, who's pro-abortion, pro-choice, Will you support the party candidate? They ask everyone but John McCain, uh, everyone but Rudy Giuliani that question. And we're going to have the answers later in the program, and we're going to talk about those answers. But we have a local story that's uh, right upon us with regard to illegal immigration, and crime, and punishment.
6: It's a local story, a Texas story, going all the way to the Supreme Court. Tomorrow, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to hear a case, Medellin versus Texas, It pits the White House in its commitment to adhere to a United Nations treaty and court decision against the state of Texas, President Bush's former state. Uh, Texas, of course, uh, would like to execute a convicted murderer and rapist, a Mexican citizen. With us to discuss this case uh, is U.S. Congressman from Texas, Ted Poe. Congressman Poe is in his second term as the U.S. Representative for Southeast Texas 2nd District. He's also served as an assistant district attorney for eight years. Uh, He's tried hundreds of cases, even uh, many seeking the death penalty. He's never lost a jury trial. He was a Harris County felony court judge for 22 years, elected six times to the bench in Houston. Representative Poe, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Glad to be on the program.
6: Well, we're very glad to have you, and uh, we've been hearing about your particular position on this case, Medellin versus Texas, it's very interesting that uh, the state that President Bush was governor of is now uh, pitted against the White House on a case where uh, this state would like to execute someone who was actually convicted 14 years ago of rape and murder, an illegal immigrant, into this country. Tell us about the case.
2: Well, it, as you said, it meant it happened in 1993, and even for Texas, uh, this is one of the most brutal uh, homicides that has ever occurred. Uh, two teenage girls were headed home uh, to get home in time for a curfew, uh, Jennifer Ertman and Elizabeth Pena. And uh, so as they were headed home, uh, they came across, unfortunately, uh, Jose Medidine and his gang uh, called the Black and Whites. Uh, these two uh, girls were kidnapped by them, uh, tortured, sexually assaulted, uh, brutalized. Just That's the best word. They were brutalized and then uh, they were uh, murdered. Uh, The defendant was later captured. Uh, Jose Medellin, all of them were captured, all five of them. And uh, he bragged about it. He confessed. He bragged about how he killed them. He still had the watch of uh, Mickey Mouse watch of Jennifer Ertman in his pocket. Uh, uh, And the thing about Jennifer, she actually got away, and her friend Elizabeth Pena was calling for help, and she went back to the scene to try to help her. And then they they kept her and, and murdered her as well. And so he was tried. Uh, He was a Mexican national, illegally in the country, uh, got the death penalty. Uh, Case went all the way through the Texas courts uh, and constantly upheld. And then he at one time complained, uh, not at trial, but later in the trial, that he did not get to talk to his consulate from Mexico when he was arrested. Now, mind you, he never asked to talk to a consulate, and he never objected at the trial that this so-called right uh, was not exercised. And so state courts and even the federal courts upheld the conviction. And uh, in 2003, uh, Mexico sued the United States, said that this violated uh, the Geneva Convention signed in 1963, where a person was supposed to get to talk to a consulate before they could uh, uh, tried.
6: But he was never prevented from talking to the consulate. He just wasn't told that he had that right?
2: That is correct. Uh, in fact, that law enforcement didn't know that they were supposed to tell him, and I'm not so sure. That's another legal issue, but mm-hmm. uh, he was never told he didn't. He was never prevented from talking to the consulate. He never asked to talk to the consulate. and He never objected to not getting to talk to him at any time in the trial until the trial was well over. Anyway, the Mexican government sued on his behalf, uh, and they won in the World Court in the Hague, uh, and so the president, after that, intervened and said, "Okay, we're going to we're going to abide by this decision in the World Court," and told the Texas courts to o- overturn the conviction of this individual. Uh, the Texas courts, the court of criminal appeals, uh, in all due respect to the president, said, basically, you have no jurisdiction to tell this court or any other court what to do, and they upheld the conviction again uh, because he never asked to see a a consulate, or objected, and uh, now the Supreme Court will hear this case tomorrow, and they will make several decisions. One, what authority, if any, does the president have to tell any court to do something? That's the first question. Second... It's sort of a
6: separation uh, of powers, isn't it? No kidding.
2: I mean, this is a judicial decision. This is not a a right, authority of the executive branch at all. It's a judicial determination. And second... Uh, does the world court have authority over Texas courts uh, in any respect, uh, if they do or they do not? And thirdly, did if he had this right, if Medellin had this right, uh, did he give up the right by never objecting for over well over 10 years? He received the death penalty. One of the killers has, has already been executed. There's another one waiting on death row. Two are doing life sentences. Uh, but he's the ringleader, and he's the arrogant mm-hmm. uh, bragger of killing these two girls. And now uh, it's going to be very ironic, in the Supreme Court of the United States tomorrow, seated next to the defendant's attorney trying to overthrow this conviction, will be the U.S. attorney, our government, arguing to overturn this uh, death penalty case versus the state of Texas who just wants to uphold uh, the conviction of the
5: jury. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to U.S. Congressman Ted Poe about the meddling of the Medellin case. This is a man who is on death row, set to be executed But wait a minute. The world court at The Hague has said, not so fast, Texas. Uh, You didn't contact the uh, Mexican consulate, um, and this man should not be executed. Let me ask you this, Congressman Paul. I want to get to those three questions you raised. But uh, isn't it true that President Bush early on said that the court should not intervene. That is, the World Court should not intervene. Didn't he switch positions at one point?
2: Yes, he did. After this case was determined, uh, the president uh, withdrew the United States uh, from this portion of that treaty. In other words, right now, if cases are tried, the United States is not bound by that agreement in the treaty because uh, the president withdrew us from that portion of it. So it doesn't even apply anymore. So he,
5: he has changed. Do you have any position. idea what? why he changed his position? I don't know. I, wow. have, I really don't understand. Well, let's it. address the fundamental question, which I think is: What in the world does a world court uh, have to do with uh, courts in Texas? Should um, should they have jurisdiction, in your view?
2: Well, no, I, I do not think so. Of course, the uh, the world court is opposed to the death penalty under any circumstances, and it's not it's not for the world court. The Hague and Amsterdam to tell uh, people in Texas what their law ought to be or what the punishment ought to be or to interfere in cases. It's none of their business. They don't have jurisdiction, in my opinion, as a former judge. Uh, and, but the Supreme Court will make that decision tomorrow. And it's a big issue because the, does a defendant have rights by the world court that are not guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution? So, which takes precedent—the U.S. Constitution or statements by the World Court? Do you think this will be? Court will have to make that decision. They're going to decide.
5: And uh, this would essentially give up our sovereignty in the legal realm, wouldn't it?
2: No question about it. We would uh, give up the sovereignty and the uh, supreme authority of the Constitution to uh, a world body uh, that, you know, is not bound by anything except their own opinions and. So we would give up our sovereignty; would give up the the. Uh, we've always been taught since grammar school that the Constitution was the supreme law of the land. We may find out differently now if the World Court decision is upheld.
6: Representative Poe, uh, if this goes uh, in what we consider the wrong way, in other words, if the U.S. government wins at the Supreme Court, what does this say about uh, the wisdom of our getting involved in some of these international treaties?
2: Well, this is a perfect example of why. We should not be so quick to run and uh, sign treaties because of the unintended consequences years later. And this, this is a perfect example. We should never give up our sovereignty by, by treaty or by agreement to allow another court in a foreign country to make decisions that are superior to our own Supreme Court, no matter what what the reasoning is of that. And, uh, yes, this is an example of, of losing our sovereignty uh, by uh, adhering to a court decision uh, in the World Court.
6: Are you going to be able to be in the courtroom tomorrow?
2: Yes, <laughs> I I'm sure you'll be watching. I, I hope I get to say something, but they probably won't let me say anything. But US- uh, uh, yes, it's a it's a very uh, volatile case uh, uh, in the in the legal profession for the reason I just mentioned to you, which which is the sovereignty of the Constitution of the United States versus World Court opinion.
5: Well, thanks for that update. We hope to have you back. U.S. Congressman Ted Poe, thanks so much.
2: Thank you very much.
5: All right, folks, uh, this is a fundamental question. We've talked about this on the program before. International law world government versus U.S. sovereignty, really, because I can tell you the United Nations and the world court have a different agenda. They have a different agenda on the family. They have a different agenda on marriage. They have a different agenda on the death penalty, on war and peace, on Israel particularly. Are we going to yield our sovereignty to the world courts on any of these issues? This is an important test case tomorrow, And I'm disappointed at the Bush administration for siding here with the world court. If people are going to sneak across the border and try to bilk our economy, uh, they ought to be prosecuted under our laws if they violate the law. And again, a jury passed down this sentence, and it's been up and approved on appeal. But now the world court stands in judgment over Texas. When we come back... Who will be the Republican nominee for president? Highlights from the debate. This is Jerry Johnson live with Penedexter. We'll be right back.
4: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell
5: College and Criswell Communications. Should conservative Christian voters vote for a Republican or a Democrat for president? If that candidate does not stand up for marriage, does not stand up for the sanctity of human life, that is, they're pro-choice or pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage, well, that is a dilemma that many Christians are thinking about right now. In fact, that question was asked just about an hour ago to all of the presidential or most of the presidential candidates running in the Republican pack. Uh, They ask everyone but Rudy Giuliani. He's the front runner and it was... Uh, really about him that that question was asked, because he's the front-runner, but he's not pro-marriage, and he's not pro-life. And so some conservative Christians are saying, will we vote for the Republican candidate if it's Giuliani, or will we go with a third-party candidate? We're going to talk about that question later in the program. We'll open up the lines later on that question. But uh, let's talk about the other uh, big event! This is the unveiling of Fred Thompson today. This debate was from three to five Central Time. It was up in Dearborn, Michigan. It's going to be broadcast at eight o'clock tonight on MSNBC. But you can get some uh, preview right now for the next forty-five minutes here on Jerry Johnson Live. We have our producer in the studio, Andrew A. Bear, who uh, listened to most of this debate, and Pennadexter is here with me, and we're going to talk about what we heard. Fred Thompson really uh, unveiled today. And um, I know, Andrew, you have followed Fred Thompson's campaign, and um, I want us to listen to a piece of sound. And he was asked about the alternative minimum tax. This is a tax, as you all know, that uh, was initiated to target rich people who found tax shelters and so forth. But now more and more Americans are falling into this um, category. What are we going to do about it? Here's. Fred Thompson.
1: Well, in the first place, I don't buy the concept that uh, any reduction in taxes uh, is lost revenue to the government. Uh, the taxpayers haven't lost it. It's in their pocket. They know exactly where to find it. We shouldn't confuse the wealth of government with the wealth of nations. Just because the money is sent to Washington doesn't mean that uh, the people are any richer. In fact, uh, just the opposite is the case. Um, as you pointed out, the AMT was designed for the, to target the, the rich guy. And when the Democrats start targeting the rich guy, if you're a middle-class guy, you ought to run to the other side of the house because you're going to get hit. Uh, they're not going to be on target. And this is another one of those cases. As you point out, we're going from about 4 million people covered now to uh, over, over uh, 20 million people. Uh, what we're going to have to do, though, is look at this uh, as a part of a total picture. Generally speaking, lower taxes and lower tax rates grow the economy. It's been proven in the 20s. It was proven during the Kennedy administration, proven during the Reagan administration, and again during this administration. I would apply that same principle to the, to the AMT. It, it, it ought to be phased out.
5: Andrew Baer, how do you think Fred Thompson opened up today? How do you feel about that answer?
7: Well, I thought it was very crisp, and I wasn't surprised by it because this is just representative of his general belief in smaller government. Uh, that lower taxes are better for the economy. Um, this is really the, uh, the only truly Reagan-esque candidate, I think, in the Republican primary. So a little su- supply-side economics
5: here, but that was John F. Kennedy's strategy. And it was very interesting that he went back to Kennedy. So he wasn't just talking about Reagan. That is, if the people have the money, the people will spend it, stimulate the economy.
6: Well, if that's the case, though, the question I would have is why phase it out? Why not just get rid of it next year? Because what's happening with the alternative minimum tax is it hit 3 to 4 million people this year, and some people really got a big surprise this year. Well, how many more people are going to get the surprise next year? A lot more. It could hit 20 million people. If he's uh, g- true to that concept that uh, if we cut taxes we actually improve the economy and we're seeing all sorts of proof of that. Even today there's a report that the deficit has dropped to a huge degree, much more than projections because of the with tax these cuts. Bush tax cuts. Why not just cut it Why not just get rid of the alternative minimum tax? It's because there are a bunch of people in Congress who want that money right away. But if it'll really help the economy, as Fred Thompson says, Why doesn't he stand on that principle and say, let's abolish it right away?
5: Well, Fred Thompson was asked what he thought of the current economy. Let's go again to Senator Fred Thompson. He's running for president of the United States. It's his first appearance now at a presidential debate.
1: I think if you look at the short term, it's rosy. I think if you look at a 10-year projection, uh, it's rosy. But we are spending money we do not have. We're on a mandatory spending lockdown that uh, is pushing us in a direction that is unsustainable. We're spending the money future generations, and those yet to be born. Uh, That has to do with our mandatory spending problem. Everyone knows that we have to address that, and it's the fundamental and foremost challenge, I think, facing our country economically.
5: Okay, mandatory spending. He's talking about Social Security. He's talking about Medicare, Medicaid, all kinds of entitlements, No Child Left Behind, now the CHIP program, all these social programs, and those are mandatory increases, and that's non-discretionary spending, and we have pre-committed this country to bills that we cannot pay. And Thompson says we're going to have to come to terms with this. Um, Andrew, how do you think he did uh, otherwise uh, in the debate? Any highlights uh, from Thompson you want to mention?
7: Well, it was clear that there was a lot of pressure on Thompson in this debate. This was the first time he's appeared really nationally um, to a large audience with the other candidates. And I I think uh, the the pundits were saying uh, he can't lose ground here. Uh, if he loses ground here, it's over for him. Uh, and I think he certainly didn't lose ground, and I think he showed that he was solid, he was good with the answers, and uh, he, knew, uh, he knew what he was talking about. And I think the great, one of the great advantages of Fred Thompson is he has a tremendous ability um, to put these difficult inter- uh, issues in understandable terms. And he's a big-picture guy. Uh, he he, uh, you he know, seemed
5: more energized today he did. than he has been on the trail. And uh, he seemed quick. Uh, at the end, Mitt Romney um, – had a little jab tell us about that and Thompson's response
7: well romney uh, at the end just you know in the last 5 minutes said that uh, the republican debates are kind of like law and order in the fact that they have a huge cast the series seems to go on and on and fred thompson comes right at the end and uh, so the crowd laughed and, and uh, thompson just immediately shot back he said well i thought i was going to be the best actor on the stage <laughs> and he was looking at romney you know suggesting that romney might be a, a flip flopper might not be actually as genuine as he Ooh. appears you're listening to Jerry Johnson
5: Live with Penedexter and Andrew Bear has joined us here to talk about this Republican presidential debate. The real big question, and we're going to talk about some of the other issues in a moment, but the real big question today is, if Giuliani is the nominee, what are conservative Christians going to do? Are they going to support Giuliani, or are they going to go with a third-party candidate? But I think in the last week or two, there's been another question, and that is, why don't conservative Christians coalesce around one of the pro-life candidates in the first place. This is not the time to make that other decision. That decision would come in six months maybe when we know if Giuliani is indeed the nominee. But right now there's an opportunity for Huckabee, for Brownback, for uh, Duncan Hunter, for Thompson. And um, that question was asked toward the end of the debate. And, Andrew, I'd like for you to give the rundown of the answers. Sure. When they asked the candidates, they did not ask Giuliani, I understand. They actually
7: didn't ask any frontrunner, which was very interesting. The only frontrunner that answered it, and he was not asked the question, was Romney. And, uh, but they asked all of the second- and third-tier guys. And uh, So McCain wasn't asked. Thompson was not asked. Um, Giuliani was not asked. And Romney wasn't ans- uh, asked, but he answered the question well, in a different answer. What did
5: say? What did the others say? Uh,
7: well, Ron Paul said that he would not support the nominee if he was not pro-life, if he didn't hold the Republican values. Um, uh, Tancredo had uh, a similar answer. Uh, Duncan Hunter, I thought, gave the strongest answer, and he said he would support the Republican nominee, but that if the Republican nominee was pro-life – was not pro-life, excuse me, and he didn't think that we would have a, pro, uh, a pro-choice nominee. He said, if if our Republican nominee is not pro-life, the Republican Party is dead. Wow. And uh, so Brownback uh, and Romney agreed and said "You know, they would both support the Republican nominee, but that he had to be pro-life. Otherwise, uh, there is no more Republican Party. Yeah. Pena, what do you
5: think about that? Because this Rasmussen poll that came out a couple of days ago said that a third of Republicans essentially uh, have this – pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage commitment. It's non-negotiable, and they're going to bolt. So what do you make of this?
6: I think some of them will bolt, and some of them will be practical, quote-unquote practical, and say, well, I'll support whoever the Republican is because I'm a Republican. But I think that uh, these guys are right when they say that this will hurt the party. There are going to be enough people that either stay home or at least don't work. You know, they may vote Republican if they're pro-life, even if it's Giuliani, but they're not going to get out there and work and get excited and get other people to the polls because pro-life is a winner. We've seen this in election cycle after election cycle. And, you know, it's not the conventional wisdom that Giuliani is going to beat Hillary. Giuliani will lose to Hillary unless he somehow changes his his position on the life issue because there's just too many people in this country who are pro-life. And it's, uh, it's not... Stupid for pro-family leaders to get out there and talk about the importance of this They've done it They've engendered a debate that I think is really positive for this race And I think what it's going to end up doing is it's going to end up pushing a candidate forward Like a Thompson, like a Huckabee Somebody who pro-lifers can really, and and Christians can really support
5: Okay, let's go to Mike Huckabee He is pro-life, former governor of Arkansas And he was asked about – it's not just pro-life and pro-family. He's got some economic proposals that are very serious. Here's Mike Huckabee on switching from the regular income tax as we know it to what is called a fair tax. No, the fair tax does something that is uh, absolutely phenomenal for the economy. It
3: untaxes productivity. It untaxes those things which we export. It means that for the first time in a long time in this country, instead of exporting our jobs, we'll actually be exporting products that we make in America and we'll be able to uh, make sure that there's a level playing field. It ends the underground economy that right now makes it so that folks like us end up paying taxes, but drug dealers don't, illegals don't, prostitutes and pimps, they don't, but we do.
5: Okay, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich has said he thinks Mike Huckabee is doing better than these debates than anyone else. And um, I, I think that's very interesting because here we see change. You know, Gingrich has said whoever runs needs to run on a p- platform of change. Well, if we scrapped the tax code a big change. and went to a fair tax or a flat tax, that would be huge change. What do you think about Mike Huckabee? What do you think about Fred Thompson? and the possibility of Giuliani heading up the Republican ticket. This is Jerry Johnson live with Penn and We have an expert coming in in the next segment and then we'll take some calls from you.
4: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
2: There's greater danger Iraq. Iraq cannot be seen in a vacuum, and we have to be willing to use a military option to stop Iran from becoming nuclear. If we're willing to do it, we have okay. a much better chance of having sanctions for All
5: right, that's Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City. He's the front-runner in the Republican race for President of the United States. The debate today from 3 to 5 o'clock Central Time. If you watched it on your computer, that was a way you could see it. But tonight it will be broadcast at 8 o'clock Central Time. But you're getting a preview right now and some very interesting questions. Tonight, uh, these candidates are asked if the Republican nominee is not pro-life but pro-choice or pro-abortion... Will you support the nominee of the party? I think there are a lot of conservatives, a lot of Christians asking themselves that question. Also, tonight, for the first time, the country will get to see Fred Thompson standing up there uh, beside and comparing and contrasting these other candidates with Fred Thompson. And we want to know what you think out there. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270, if you want to weigh in on this discussion.
6: With us uh, to also weigh in is Jack Berkman. He's a frequent guest here on the program. He's founder and president of Berkman Associates, LLC. He's also a political analyst that's uh, appeared on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, etc. And Jack, uh, we're so glad to have you with us.
0: Been a good to be with you guys. I hope all's well down there.
6: Well, we're doing great. Uh, We just watched this debate, and, of course, it was supposed to be about the economy. They went on to some other issues also. But the question I have for you is, especially when we read, like today, in the Wall Street Journal, reporting that the deficit has dropped to a greater degree than it was even projected to do, Uh, other than what's going on in the housing market, we have a good economy, low unemployment. So do people really care out there whether we have a flat tax, a fair tax, uh, are they looking at these economic issues? Are these topmost in, in the voters' mind?
0: No, the public, well, the pub, most of the public doesn't know what a flat tax is. They, those are those are issues well beyond the uh, mindset of the average person. But I think the average person does understand what a tax cut is, and I think the average person also understands that you don't. Fred Thompson, hit. I won't give away too much because I know most of you re- viewers haven't seen it, but Fred Thompson hit it about right. He said when they shoot at the rich through tax increases, they often miss and hit the middle class. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a concept that the average person understands. So, yeah, no, the the, the flat tax and the sales tax and value-added tax and all the things they debate on the Hill, no, that's, that's way beyond. And you won't hear much of that discussed on the campaign trail.
5: Uh, Jack, let me ask you this uh, you know a lot of our listeners are wondering if they should even turn on the television tonight it's by the way, it's eight o'clock locally on msNBC uh, here in the southwest. Jack, tell them what they should be watching for and why it really is important for conservatives well, republicans uh Christians. Uh, they need to make some important decisions right now. What could they be listening for tonight?
0: Here, Jerry, is, I think, the decision for your base and your core audience. Conservatives, social conservatives, Christian conservatives have got to make a fundamental decision. I'm going to be very candid, very blunt about it. All right. The decision decision is this. Is it better for them to have somebody like Hillary Clinton elected, even though they despise her, and then the conservatives can go in the wilderness, regenerate, and come back stronger (laughs) than ever before and do what they've done so many times in the past so we can have a values-oriented party, is there a time when you have to do that so you can regenerate in a successful way, or is it better to, I don't know what the word is, to bastardize the party and to bring in a social moderate or a social liberal, a person with values whom your base doesn't like, whom I don't like, and and yet you say, well, it's better than Hillary, and it is. It's better than Hillary. We'll win on economic issues. We'll win on some social issues. Well, we don't like, we don't like a lot of the social agenda, but we're going to bring him in anyway. We're going to bring in a Romney who's who's, you know, not telling the truth what he really thinks about gay rights and not telling the truth on what he really thinks about abortion. But, you know, Romney's right on economic issues. Mm. He's a good businessman. Maybe he's better for the country than Hillary. So that is the choice. That is the very fundamental choice that your base and your listener needs to make.
5: Now, Jack, let me ask you. That would presuppose, uh, number one, that Giuliani could win against Hillary. Number two, that Giuliani will indeed be the nominee. Now, let me ask you this question. What about the scenario, though... Of one of these other candidates actually surfacing and winning the nomination, who do you think, uh, besides Giuliani or Romney, has the best chance right now to be the nominee?
0: Oh, I think besides those two, Fred Thompson. I, I think, and and I think your viewers, I don't want to give away too much of the. I I, I watched it as uh, I, I watched it today and uh, doing commentary for CNBC. I, I had to watch it. But I think Fred Thompson, I think your viewers will find they can judge, your your listeners will find they can judge for themselves. that Thompson held up very well. If I had to pick a winner, I would say the overall winner was Giuliani, who got in some good humor. Thompson got in some good good points as well. Thompson held up, and expectations were low. The media had really lowered the bar for him. Hmm. Uh, There was a sense the New York Times and the Washington Post had been driving this agenda that he didn't know policy, but he showed today, this afternoon, that he really did know policy. And I think your listeners will find that he held up uh, well.
6: I think one thing that he did do is he brought up and and he really uh, made some strong points on the entitlements area. And in a sense, if he could come out with some sort of a plan, I know he doesn't get into details, he's more of a generalist, uh, to show the American people that he's going to do something, you know, about this huge uh, balloon of baby boomers that's going to retire and break the system, that might be something different to sort of uh, I guess take him out well, of the the pack
0: I thought he did on, and you know tax on tax and spending issues, I thought he did very well. i, I think the, um, I think the question for all the Republican candidates on this is, and really for the democratic candidates too is you know we 're not sure we, you know we, the president, I you everybody, would like to get out of Iraq and leave behind a flourishing democracy as soon as we can, but we 're not sure if we can do that in' seven. We're not sure if we can do that in 08. We're not sure if we can do that in 09. We really don't know how long this is going to take. And as long as we have this Iraq bill, and there can be all kinds of opinions about whether the war should have been launched, I support it. Others don't. What have you. But as long as we have this continuing Iraq bill, we really can't make immediate plans about putting money into Medicare, or putting money into Social Security, or, or uh, paying down the, uh, the debt. We don't have that luxury. And we certainly don't have the luxury of doing these idiotic things that hillary Hillary Clinton was talking about, like a baby bond or a national health system. <laughs> I mean the debts it, it is quite possible that if you had a president Hillary, she would have to pay the three hundred billion dollar a year war cap, pay another five or six hundred billion or more to pay the cost of this national health system, and then you would see a situation where she would almost be forced into raising the personal income tax rate by uh five six seven percent and, and then we really would have. Then it would be back for the 70s, and then it
5: would be a disaster. Um, Let me ask you this, Jack. Um, Bartlett, who worked for the president today, it's been released. (laughs) That Dan Bartlett said, uh, Fred Thompson's a dud, uh, Mitt Romney's a Mormon, and Mike Huckabee's last name is too hick to be president. And I want to ask you a question. We keep seeing Huckabee... uh, move up. He's moving up. People keep talking about Huckabee. Do you think Huckabee tonight in this debate uh, continued to do well and that he's still got a slim chance of breaking into the field?
0: Uh, Yes and no. I I think he's acquitted himself very well. I like his values. I like his approach on most things. I don't like his positions on trade, but I like his social values a great deal. I think he has really shown himself to be a composed guy, but breaking in it just takes a whole lot of money yeah. and, media and momentum it's just not it's almost not uh... you know that's like saying ron paul uh, he's raised five or six million almost yeah. like a howard dean type candidate on a small level it, it's really no longer possible in this day and age for these type candidates unless you have someone who's just uh, extraordinary uh... just someone who's absolutely extraordinary to uh... and they're not
5: all right jack I, 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 We got to go. And we got callers on the line. But, Jack, I want to thank you. Folks, you can see him on CNBC today and uh, talk about this debate. Jack, we'll have you back again.
0: Dr. Thanks so much.
5: All right, folks, we're asking for your calls now. The number is 800-881-9270. Do you support Rudy? Do you support Thompson? Do you support Huckabee? Do you think the party in no way should uh, go with a pro-choice, uh, pro-abortion kind of a candidate? And if they do, this will be actually party suicide. We want to know what you think. Who is your favorite candidate and why? Maybe you're rooting for a Democrat. Well, you could call as well. We'd like to know who that might be and why. We've got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, thank you for calling and holding. Bob, what's your view? Uh, yes, Dr. Johnson, uh,
0: if Rudy Giuliani is the, uh, Republican candidate, I will not vote for him because I know what a great deceiver does. Because I know what, uh, Satan does in the, uh, Bible. And, uh, I choose, uh, Mike Huckabee and Duncan, uh, uh, Duncan Hunter because, uh, I like their views, uh, uh, religious values and that's, uh, that,
5: that, uh, stuff. Huckabee and Hunter for Bob from Terrell. Thank you, Bob, for calling. we got Linda on the line from Dallas. Linda, what's your view of this discussion?
2: Well, I I kind of follow him. Basically, when it's all said and done, I feel we're going to be responsible
6: uh, someday, and we're going to have to be saying who we'd vote for if we're pro-life or we're pro-choice. And I'm definitely pro-life and definitely believe in man and wife marriage, so I would not be able to support a Republican or a Democrat? Because I would go with the individual. Mm. A bit. So your
5: loyalty is not to a party, really, but to principles.
2: Right. That's true.
5: Thanks, Linda. All right, we've got Elsie on the line from Fort Worth. Elsie, thanks for calling. What's your view?
6: Praise the Lord. Well, I had a little problem with Jack on his last comment. So <laughs> um, he really sounded like he was. I know he was giving facts, but he put down Uh, heart of people that really believed in what they were standing for the values the social values and they didn't give the people he didn't give us enough credit um i think that uh i would not i'm pro-life uh i'm definitely going to be in in the pro-life corner and values are very important to me uh so i'm looking at huckabee and probably Ron paul Uh, No way would I vote for Giuliani and no way would I vote for a Democrat uh, basically because of the pro-life and the marriage. Thank you,
5: Elsie. We're out of time. Thanks so much for calling. Folks, you can call in. The number is 800-881-9270. We've got some sound from Thompson. We have some sound from Huckabee. We're going to play that when we come back. We'll take some of your calls. 800-881-9270. And how about those Cowboys last night? I have a little devotional thought on the Dallas Cowboys. You don't want to miss that when we come back. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. We'll be right back.
4: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
1: Under the War Powers Act, there's always a conflict between the Congress and the the President as to the exact applicability of that when when an engagement lasts for a a particular period of time and when they must come before Congress. I don't think anybody running for President should diminish the powers of the office before he gets there and take side in a hypothetical dispute. But I would say that um, uh, in any close call, you should go to Congress, whether it's legally required or not, because you're going to need the American people and Congress will help you if they're uh, voting for it or they support it or leaders, especially in the opposite party, are convinced and looking at the evidence that this is the right thing to do, that will help you with the American people. And we have learned that over the long term in any conflict, we've got to have the strong support of the American people over a protracted period of time.
5: That's Senator Fred Thompson, Law & Order star. He asked the question... Would you go to Congress before you launch any kind of an attack on another country? And here's Governor of Arkansas, former Governor Mike Huckabee, on the same question.
3: A president has to do whatever is necessary to protect the American people. If we think Iran is building nuclear capacity that could be used against us in any way, including... Selling some of the nuclear capacity to some other terrorist group, then yes, we have a right to without do it without going to Congress. And I would do it in a heartbeat without going to Congress. Well, if it's necessary to get it done because it's actionable right now, yes. If you have the time and the luxury of going to Congress, that's always better. And if Congress says no, what do you do? Single thing if is Congress to make says your, no, what do you do, Governor? You you do what's best for the American people and you suffer the consequences. But what you don't do is what you never do is let the American people one day get hit with a nuclear device because you had politics going on in Washington instead of the protection of the American people first.
5: Okay, that's uh, former governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee, the presidential debate today, which will be broadcast at 8 p.m. tonight. And these are some previews. And you're listening to Jerry Johnson Live with Penna Penna, what's your take on this?
6: Well, that specific question uh, that those two uh, candidates, Thompson and Huckabee, just answered had to do with uh, going after Iran, especially the nuclear facilities. In Iran, And that question drove Ron Paul ballistic because he thinks you need to get an authorization for any kind of action that takes place. You need Congress to declare war on a country. And he's very upset that we went into Iraq just with the Congress uh, appropriating the money and giving the president the power. So there's a there's a philosophic, uh, philosophical debate there. Uh, they all took it on. I thought uh, Thompson did a great job. And also Huckabee really talking about that the president does have some discretionary power there. But going to the greater debate, when I look at it, I don't think anybody really stood out or hurt themselves, uh, you know, fr- from uh, a position of just looking at the candidates. I thought Fred Thompson actually probably won in the sense that he didn't disappoint. And uh, he did have some really broad ways of Of expressing himself, and I think Andrew is correct when he says he he talks in generalities, and he talks in a way that people can understand. That may resonate. Also, I think his ideas that we've got to do something about the entitlements also resonate. So, in a sense, uh, I think uh, Romney may have hurt himself a little bit. He got a little too specific, a little combative with Giuliani, and I think when they did that, Giuliani tended to win that. That's just my take on watching most of the debate this afternoon. But uh, we are taking your calls, and let's go back to the phones. Some folks have been waiting. Leah is in Louisville. Leah, go ahead. Well, I was told to say that generally I have always voted a Democrat, except in the last uh, race I went ahead and voted Republican, which I'm glad I did. Are you pro-life? Uh, I cannot see voting Democrat when they seem to be using entitlement programs as a diversion man. I mean, it's either we need a real candidate and quit with the dream candidate because we're going to have a Social Security problem. We've got a Medicare, Medicaid problem. I just don't see how we can just promise people free health care and not get real with them on how they're supposed to pay So for who's it. your guy? Um, right now, Fred Thompson, because I'm hoping that he will be the one that'll get real with people. Okay, great. Elizabeth uh, is in Waxahachie. Elizabeth, thank you for calling. What did you think of the debate? I'm, I'm enjoying listening to the debate, and I like Mike Huckabee. I've liked him since the very first time I heard him on your program. I really hope that he's at least on the primary ballot, and I hope that he also makes the presidential ballot. If he does, he definitely has my vote. However, if it comes down to someone like a Rudy Giuliani against Hillary Clinton... I think my vote would be cast against Hillary, not necessarily for Rudy. The anti-Hillary vote. Hillary vote. I'm the champion of that. Thank you, Elizabeth. We appreciate it. Uh, let's go very quickly to Paul in Lancaster.
2: Yes, how are you doing?
6: Great. I uh,
2: would like to say Huckabee, and I think if enough people stand up, I hear Huckabee's name a lot, and if enough
0: people stand up, he does have a chance to win. I think we've got to keep that thought going.
6: There was a columnist today, Dr. Johnson, that said if the Christians would just all get behind Huckabee, he'd move up and he'd be the nominee.
5: Yeah, World Net Daily featured an editorial today. Someone said, look, the Christians just need to quit whining. Right now we've got three or four Christians who are pro-life, pro-family in the primary process. So the thing to do is rally round One of them. And that could be Huckabee. It could be Thompson. It could be Duncan Hunter. And, of course, we're not going to endorse anyone on this program. We don't do that on this station or with this program. But the fact is, Dr. Dobson is right, and others are right, to say that if Rudy Giuliani or someone like that is the nominee, the Republicans are going to lose a third of their support. They probably are. But right now, that's not the argument to have. Right now, Christians can coalesce around a pro-family and by that I mean traditional biblical marriage between a man and a woman. Someone will support a constitutional amendment to define marriage the way it ought to be and a pro-life candidate. Can we do that? And someone who can be articulate and and get support. Huckabee is surging from that lower group to the uh, front-runner status. Fred Thompson also is a possibility. We'll be waiting. We'll be watching. And uh, one of the things we've decided on this program is to have all of these candidates back. We've had five of the presidential candidates on this program, and we need to have them back an entire day devoted to each candidate. So that's something. We're going to try to deliver to you. And let me say we've got Ann Coulter coming up on October 18th. You don't want to miss that spicy, saucy kind of an interview. I'm sure <laughs> that makes will some good sense. Very once interesting. In a while. We talked today about national sovereignty. You need to hear tomorrow about the law of the sea treaty. Do you realize the United Nations is about to seize 70 percent? Of the seas. And we'll have to pay taxes when we send a ship. We'll have to get permission even for military exercises. So that's a very interesting development, the Law of the Sea Treaty. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. How about those cowboys? Wow, what a victory last Hmm. night. And uh, what can we do with that from the Christian worldview? Well, I'm not sure. But, you know, Tony Romo threw five interceptions and and a fumble. Six turnovers. Six turnovers. And he kept coming back. He kept coming back. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press ahead. I press forward. And uh, you may feel like that sometimes in your Christian life, that you failed today. You failed yesterday. Uh, But forget that. Put it behind you. Press ahead. Press on. You might just win in the last two seconds of the game. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter, and uh, tomorrow we'll be here again.
4: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show.